Welcome to the Topeka First Assembly podcast. We hope this message serves as an encouragement to you. If you would like to support us financially, you can do so online at www.topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. Open the Bible with me this morning. We're going to go into the book of, um, actually in the book of uh, Matthew 14. We're going to look at a couple other places too. Uh, but I want to talk to you about taking a walk. Take a walk. Now, I know sometimes you may have heard somebody say, tell you, take a walk, right? You know, maybe everybody's been in that case. But we, we understand that, that faith is one of those things that we live by as followers of Jesus. And we understand that if we're going to live a life for Christ, uh, that we're going to fa- face the fact that we will need, uh, we will all need to take some risks in our lives. That's just a reality. And uh, there's an element of risk in anything and everything we do, right? Uh, as if you're going to cross the street, uh, you're taking a risk. Uh, you may go to the crosswalk, the light may be, uh, you know, it may be white, ready for you to go across there, or green, whichever kind that is, and, and you can cross, but you're taking a risk. That's just the way it is. And uh, if you're gonna, if you're, uh, maybe you like pie. I don't know. If you're like me, maybe you like pie. And so maybe you, maybe you want to uh, eat a cherry pie, right? And so you're gonna take a risk eating a cherry pie. You say, what in the world are you talking about? Well, the fact is, you could take a bite and get a pit out of one of those cherries, right, and break a tooth. Uh, uh, but most of the time, you know, you want to take that chance anyway. Uh, because uh, the, the, the joy of eating that piece of pie is worth that small, very, very small risk that you have to bite on a pit in, out of one of those cherries. And, and, and so uh, here, there's, here's the other part of this. There is little risk in sitting back in your lawn chair, right? There's little risk in it. Maybe it's to the same level of uh, of eating a piece of cherry pie. I don't know, the chair could break or something like that. But there's not much of a risk for us, and we have to be willing to get out of our lawn chairs at some point. And I know there's times that we sit in our lawn chairs more than other times, and that's okay. We have seasons in our lives, and that's okay. But, but the Lord will always provide something for us. There, there's a powerful verse over in the book of 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. It should be on the screen for you, and it says this. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. See, when, we, when we've come to the place to follow Christ in faith, it should have an effect on our actions. It should have an effect on how we live on a day-to-day basis. It should cause you to get off of your lawn chair at times, where you, where you like that lawn chair, right? You, you may enjoy that thing. You may kick back. Maybe you have one of those with... You know, uh, uh, like the lounge type, and it's like you kick back, hey, this is okay. Drink your iced tea, and you're, and you're good, you know. Uh, uh, but there is times that we have to step out of that thing, and, and, uh, and this is the victory that's overcome the world, even our faith. This can make us into an overcoming type of person. Your faith in Christ can help you to overcome. There's another powerful verse, really, that connects to this. Later on, and it says it in 1, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57, 
Uh, and he says, but thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, there's victory for the believer who is trusting uh, uh, trusting in the Lord. And I don't simply mean the victory of winning long jump or a pole vaulting contest or, or running an extreme race or hurdles or something like that. Uh, but, uh, but we understand that this kind of victory goes so much more deeper. It goes deeper than this in our walk with the Lord, in our spiritual lives, because our spiritual lives matter and they matter a lot. They matter quite a bit. As I said, there's an element of risk in anything we do, and there's little risk in sitting back in our lawn chair. But it's one thing to talk about doing something for God, but it's another thing to get up and do something for Him, and it's different for each person. And that's something that we have to consider. Sometimes it's different for us in the different periods or seasons of our lives as well. So we don't do the same thing. I don't do the same things that I did when I was 20. And, and maybe you don't do the same things you did when you were 40. Uh, you know, it, it varies at times in those seasons in our lives, but that doesn't mean there is less meaning or power in what God is doing in an individual or through an individual's life. So it's different for every person. For the parent who's raising kids, it may be that for them, their risk is to pray for the kids as they walk out the door for school. Why? Or, or, the, or you also have, they, they uh, take the risk to, uh, to pray at lunchtime when, uh, with their kids and talk with their kids. And then the risk may be for them as their kid may start asking them questions and they may ask them questions that they may feel they can't answer. So is it a risk? Sure, that, is, that really is. It's a type of risk. And for the neighbor, if you, you, may, be found, uh, uh, you, you may be found to uh, be a neighbor who's going to fix your neighbor's fence. Uh, that fence is there between you. You decided, you know, that guy's kind of a rough guy. You don't want to have to handle them or deal with them. And uh, so, but you're willing to fix his fence. And so you fix it and, and, uh, and you say, hey, you don't have to give me anything. Don't have to pay for that. I'm just doing it. And, but you're still taking the risk because you know that that guy may get mad at you anyway, even though you fixed his fence, only to find out they're appreciative of what you did for them. So there's different things that we can do. For the store manager, it may be that even though you have to set boundaries for your employees, uh, you're, you're still willing to stop and to ask them, how are you doing? You're willing to lend them a listening ear and to talk to them, actually showing care for that person who is working underneath of you. So over in the book of Matthew, we find Jesus, that Jesus had the opportunity to minister 5,000 people, and everybody started to get a little hungry, and he took care of their needs with some fish and some bread. And, and the disciples spent a lot of time with Jesus, and he really pulled them out of their comfort zone. That's what he did. He, he tended to do that, and he does that with us at times today if we're willing to listen to him. And he was always challenging them to trust God, and this time wasn't any different. He challenged them, and after this miraculous provision, we find some more events, but there was something that we find uh, special about Jesus. He took time to get away uh, and from the crowd and spend that time with the Father. He spent that time in, in what we call prayer. He spent that time with the Father 
This is where he recharged himself. This is where he was rejuvenated and interacting with his heavenly father. We too need to be able to do that in our, in our walks. And we need to be charged, recharged and we need to take a walk now and then with the Lord. There's many parts of taking a walk though. Let's look together here in Matthew 14. And you know this passage if you've been in, uh, in, in the church for a while. If not, well, just uh, read with us and, and go along with us. He says this, immediately Jesus, verse 22, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, there, uh, he was there alone, and the boat was already, consider, uh, at a, was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted, or you could say pounded, uh, by the waves because the wind was against it. Yeah, those, those squalls, those, those uh, storms popped up there, you know, like maybe a little different than it is here, but... Uh, I, I remember one time when uh, years ago when I was a youth, I was out on Lake Perry with a friend of mine, and we had this little 14-foot uh, aluminum runabout boat with a 35-horsepower Johnson engine on the back. It's not very big. And we caught ourselves out in the afternoon when the swells came up a little bit and, and the winds came up, and we were out in the middle, and we started getting nervous when our boat went like this, and then the waves went over the top of the boat we decided it was not wise for us to stay there. And so we got out of there, went with the, with the waves and got out of there because that boat really wasn't good for that. But I can imagine what these guys are going through. And it says in, in the next verse, he says, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking uh, on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. These guys were flat scared, and he it goes on to say, but Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it's I, don't be afraid. The Lord's with you, uh, Lord, is it you? Peter, uh, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water uh, if it's you, and he says, come. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus, but then he saw the wind. And he was afraid and began to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And it's interesting here that Matthew doesn't write any answer on that, why he doubted, other than what we see is he saw the waves. So uh, he, he doesn't, really, uh, doesn't really take the time to say anything about it. But then in verse 32, he says, and when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you're the Son of God. Uh, now, I don't, I don't know about you, but I, I haven't seen too many people calm in the sea, calm in the big lake out there like that. But Jesus did some special things uh, for these disciples and for many others, and he's still in the same uh, business today. He, he was helping people to get a better handle on who God was and is, and Jesus took a walk on that lake that day with a purpose. He even invited Peter uh, to take a walk too, and sure, we, we know that Peter was pretty spontaneous. 
Uh, most of us know that if you read in the Gospels, you can find that. Uh, and he was, real, he was ready for an adventure at the drop of the hat. That's just the way Peter was. That was his personality. And yet when he stepped out to take a walk toward the Savior, uh, he faltered a little bit, and the Lord challenged him by asking him, uh, why did you doubt? What happened? And most of us are like that at times. Most of us, we, 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 will, we will step out in something God asks us to do or to, uh, to walk through. And, and yeah, there's a time where we may see what was happening and say, wait a second. And, and then we doubt for a little while, right? And then the Lord reaches down to us and he grabs our hand and helps us. But, you know, not everybody is like Peter. Not everybody's like him. Not everybody's always ready for an adventure in the same way like Peter was. That was his personality. He, he tended to be very energetic and ready to speak. And God worked through his personality, yet he had his own struggles as well. And so you have to remember that Peter wasn't one, he wasn't the only one in that boat. Think about it for a second. He wasn't the only one in the boat at that point. And, and I say that in a positive sense. They were all a little scared once that storm came up and they saw Jesus walking toward them. But you see, the story really goes all the way back to when Jesus called each disciple. It goes back to his calling of each one. And Jesus knew each, of, each one of them and he had a sense of who they were when he called them. To take a walk with Jesus does not start with the big things usually. Sure, there may be some times that he calls us into some big things, but it doesn't usually happen all the time with the big things. Usually it's those small things where he's pulling us towards himself, the little things. There were 12 disciples, right? There are 12 disciples, sure, Peter, James, and John, they seem to be the inner circle from what we know throughout the Gospels. We see that. And uh, they, they were the inner circle. They were the closest to Jesus in his ministry from what we can tell. And uh, it may have been uh, Peter that Jesus told to come to him on the water, yet he invited him to take a walk. He invited him. And that wasn't the only time that he invited him. And I'm sure that you have been invited at different times by the Lord to take a walk with him. Sure, there's been different times. And it may have been in the middle of the night. It could have been when you were driving down the road. It may have been uh, at a family reunion and the Lord asked you to, hey, step over and talk to so-and-so to encourage them. Maybe they don't have faith in Christ, or maybe you're trying to help them so that they can recognize God's presence in their lives. It seems like Peter, James, and John really had some big opportunities, right? If you look through the New Testament, they had some big opportunities to share with Jesus on some of the big miracles. And they did, and they were with Jesus at the, at the mountain, at the what we call the transfiguration and we, find, and we find Moses there and Elijah and such. We, we find these, these uh, special times. And who was there? Peter, James, and John, right? Those guys were there. Uh, uh, but I think that there is a problem with our perspective here at times. I really think there's a problem with our perspective at times. 
too many people, they feel like if they can't be one of the big guns like Peter, James, and John, then maybe really they, they don't have much going and, and God really isn't going to use them in the way he wants to use them or work through their lives. Uh, too many people feel like if they can't be like one of those guys, they just aren't worth that much. But that's not true. It's not true at all. And Jesus called not just the big three, if you want to say it. He didn't call just them. He called the other nine, too. He called every one of them. And he called each of them to follow him personally. And that same thing goes for you. It goes for you as well. He has called each and every one of us to follow after him and to take a walk with him. Jesus gets us uh, walking with the small things, and yet he doesn't stop asking us to follow. It seems to me that he always is challenging us and engaging us and encouraging us to come closer. In my experience in following Jesus, that's what I have found to be the case. He doesn't just call one time. He calls over and over and says, hey, why don't you do this? Hey, why don't you step out here? Hey, why don't you come along with me in this kind of thing? And, and that's just the way he does. You, don't you think that the other nine disciples were with Jesus most of the time? From what we understand in the Gospels, they were with him most of the time. They spent several years with him in his earthly ministry, and those guys helped him with the, with the loaves and the fish right before they obeyed Jesus to head out on the, in the boat to go to the other shore of that lake. Now, verse 22 says something here. Look at what he says in verse 22 of chapter 14. Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. So he sent them on a mission. He actually sent all of them. It wasn't just Peter. It wasn't John and James only. It was all of the 12. They were all there, including your buddy uh, Judas, right? Uh, we understand that. But uh, they were all growing in their faith. What about you? Are you growing in your faith? Are you allowing him to guide you in your life? Uh, and are you willing to let Jesus call you in the small things? We as followers of Jesus must be ready for him to call us in the small things. Sometimes people don't want that. They just want the big thing. God, do this supernatural, awesome miracle uh, through us and we'll serve you forever. And he's like saying, no, you serve me in the small things. Yeah, I may do those things. Uh, that he does that as the scripture teaches about the gifts of the spirit. He uses them as the spirit wills. And so and we find Peter, James, and John came closer to Jesus because they were willing to follow the, his direction. Doesn't mean they were perfect. It's kind of like the old sailor. The old sailor, he's out and he has a real hard time uh, with directions. And finally, some of his buddies gave him a really good compass uh, and he goes out on the water, and he's trying to get somewhere, and fi finally he tries to use the compass, and he's trying to go north, but his compass keeps saying southeast, and he's tired of that compass messing him up, so he throws it to the side and keeps sailing what he thought was north. He didn't look at the compass right, right? He, he didn't obey the compass. He didn't follow what the compass was saying. And so what happened again? But his friends have to come and rescue him. 
And so they come out and they get him, they find him and say, hey, what, why didn't you use the compass? Well, it just pointed the wrong direction all the time. <laughs> and so he, he thought he knew, but he didn't. And the fact is, for us at times, I don't know, maybe you're, maybe you're like that too in your walk with Jesus. I think we all are at times in certain areas. And we have to be able to follow his compass. We have to be able to follow his lead and so we can get to the place that he is asking us to land. We need to simply be willing to follow his direction. Now, now what about the other nine disciples? Yeah, there, there's quite a few of them here, right? And, and over in Matthew 10, I'm not going to go there, but uh, uh, Matthew 10 uh, verses 2 to 4 actually list all the 12 uh, disciples, and uh, there's other passages that do too. Uh, but here are the nine uh, are the nine outside of that inner circle that, that spent that time with Jesus. Uh, one, the first one there is Andrew. That's Pete's brother. Uh, so he's there. And Andrew, then you have Philip, then you have uh, Bartholomew, and uh, then you have Thomas. Thomas is the doubter, right? And uh, then, then you have Matthew, the tax guy. He's the one that's writing the account here of what took place. He was there with them. And uh, then you have James, son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus. Uh, see, some of these you, you probably don't remember unless you, unless you uh, uh, memorized them when you were in, in Bible class when you were a kid. And then you have Simon the Zealot. You probably remember him. But, and then there was Judas Iscariot. You can't forget that guy, right? You, you can't forget him. And see, that's the thing. You can't forget him, but what did he do, you know? And now Judas, we really don't want to be like him. But if you think about these others, like Thaddeus, we don't even know very much about him. He's only mentioned directly in two of the Gospels. Uh, but just because Thaddeus wasn't one of the top three doesn't reduce his value. Didn't have much Bible time, did he? Didn't get, didn't get many interviews on, uh, on the internet. He, he didn't get to, a, a WIBW didn't come over to his place all the time and say, Thaddeus, tell us about what's happening here. Maybe, maybe he was one of those quiet people. I don't know. And, and I know there's some uh, church history out there about him too. There's not a lot of information, but, but this man was still willing to follow Jesus. You, you would... He, would, would you have chosen to follow Jesus even if no one would ever know who you really were? Does that, even, does that part even matter to you? The fact that he had the opportunity to be uh, called to follow Jesus is amazing. Thaddeus. Then you have Bartholomew. You have this guy. He was another one of those guys we don't know much about, but... What we know about these guys is that they were willing to get in the boat and go to the other shore. They were all in it together, so we know that they were serving. We know that they were part of Jesus' ministry and what he was doing. We know they were part of the miracles that God did there. But there's an element of risk to do anything for the Lord, and there is very little risk in sitting back in our easy chair Bart could have just done that. What about Matthew? We, we, now we hear more about him. He left a lucrative business. Uh, we know it was a little shady, right? He left that shady business, and he went to follow Jesus. And we have to ask, are you willing to follow Jesus' steps for you today? I don't mean the steps that you followed him yesterday or five years ago or six years ago. 
But I mean, are you willing to follow the steps that Jesus has for you today? And people aren't always asked by the Lord to do the same things again. It doesn't always happen that way. His orders change at times for us as individuals as we follow the Lord. And then you have Philip. Uh, well, we, we know that name well enough. And over in the Gospel of John chapter 1, verse 43 and 46, it, it says, Finding Philip, he said to them, Follow me, Jesus is calling him. And Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Those three guys came out of the same place. They came out of the same hood. And uh, then you, it says, Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come out of Naz come out of there? And that's and then Nathaniel said, asked, come and see, said Philip. Come on out and see if what I'm saying is true. Uh, and uh, that, that's what he does. Philip may not have stood out that much at this point to the Gospels, but one thing was for sure, he reached out to others. He did what he knew he could do, and, and he encouraged them to come and see. Come and see. Check out what God is doing in the lives of people. And, and everyone has their own gift. Everyone has their own personality and their own background. Everyone has their own way. But each of you have the opportunity to follow Jesus today. Are you willing to take a walk with the Lord? We must be willing. That call comes to each, myself as well as a pastor. It comes to each and every one of us. Are we willing to take a walk with the Lord? Then you have Simon the Zealot. I'm sure he had some alternative, uh, alternative motives in the beginning. I, I don't know. I, I, we don't have much information because we know he was a zealot, though. Uh, he's, he's only listed about four times in the scripture from what we can see. But usually he is just listed. Uh, we see that in Matthew and Mark and Luke and also in Acts 1.13. Uh, and we know he was zealous, but that, that's about it. That's what we know. And, uh, and so we understand that. But yet this political guy was, was uh, willing to put everything on the line to follow Jesus. And we understand that if, if you do the history on what the zealots were about, they, they were out to, to nail anybody that was coming uh, against the political system in uh, uh, Jerusalem of Israel. Uh, they were trying to squelch the Romans or anybody that was going to side with them. And to think that Matthew and him served among the same group of disciples. Matthew, who would have been seen as a political traitor. Now, he may not get much time in the Bible, Simon the Zealot, but that doesn't mean he had little or no impact. Even Judas Iscariot, who betrayed Jesus, got more Bible time than several of these little-known disciples who turned out to be apostles. Not a lot of time they got. Not, not a lot of writing about them. And, and, and so does anyone know that I exist? Maybe that's your question. Does anyone even care that I exist? Maybe that's how you feel right now. I don't know. 
Or maybe you say, does God even care that I'm here? He does care. That's a fact. He does care. He cares about you as an individual. He cares about this body. He cares about uh, every person in the world. He does care. Just because you may not stand out like Peter, James, and John does not mean that you as an individual have a little value. There, there's a small part inside of a car's transmission. Okay, here comes the car stuff. I'll keep it very simple. There's, there's a small part inside of an automatic transmission, which is a called a pump, and most everybody kind of understands that. It moves fluid from one place to another. But if that pump goes out, now you can't see that pump. Typically, you can't see that pump. It is hidden inside, and you've got to take everything apart to get to that thing. Uh, and it takes a good amount of time to get to it. But if, if that pump is broken, if it will not move transmission fluid, if it will not move fluid of some sort, then you got a problem. I can guarantee you one thing. You will put it in gear, and it will not move forward, and it will not move backward. And you as a driver, you're not going anywhere unless you call on the tow truck and they pick up your car because they've got to take that thing apart and fix it and put it back together. If that pump is missing or failing, it's not going to be missing usually. It may shatter, but... But, but you are part of the body of Christ, and you have value, and if you're missing, the whole body can't do the task it was designed to do for the Lord. We understand when, when sometimes we walk through things in our lives, and, uh, and we need a time to heal and be restored, uh, and, but there are times that, that, uh, that we have to make sure that we are, we're ready to roll with the Lord. There's an element of risk in everything we do. And there's little risk in setting back on the lawn chair, but open your heart to Christ today and be willing to take a walk of faith with him. Peter stepped out on the water. He was willing to take that a risk, but even after he took a few steps, we have to remember this part because it's the reality. After he took those steps on the water, he doubted and started to sink. What he, he saw the, the waves, he saw the storm, he saw, hey, this thing is going to get bad. Uh, it's kind of like yesterday, we were trying to, to grill a little bit outside and, and looked up and it was getting black and it was coming towards our house. And I'm like, uh-oh, better get, these, get this food off the grill really fast, otherwise we're going to be stuck in this rainstorm. And then it didn't do anything. I might as well set up a picnic table outside. We could have ate out there, but it didn't do anything. But Peter stepped out on the water. What did Jesus do when he doubted? Once Peter started sinking, what did he do? He reached his hand out. He reached his hand out. He got hold of him, and he brought him back up. See, that's what we have to remember, that Jesus, something that he does in our lives. Sometimes we won't take the risks in our lives simply because we think we're out there on our own. Remember, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. We have to put our faith in our Savior. We have to put our faith in Christ. And that if we do step out and if we do take that walk, that we recognize the fact if we falter, if we mess up, if we get our eyes on everything around us, yeah, that probably will happen at times. 
he will still grab us by the hand and help us up and pick us out. We have to remember that. We have to keep that in our mind. So that means that we can step out and we can trust him and we can walk with him. And if we do mess up, he will help us up out of that. We just need to continue to trust him and start seeking him again, looking back to him, facing uh, towards him, looking at him and saying, Lord, help. What about, what about the other 11 now? We get to the, there, there's Peter, he's out there. What about the other 11 here? They were in the boat, they were following Jesus' direction. Were they frightened? They, they were. We know the scripture, and that's the wonderful thing about the scripture. It's not only Old Testament just kind of shows us as it is. Old Testament doesn't even always give us as much explanation why they did it. And some of it's a more historical, hey, this is what the people of Israel did. And so they'll give some explanation in other places. But here even in the New Testament, he's like, these guys were scared. They were scared, but you're with Jesus. See, well, for us, we kind of think back, you were with Jesus. Why in the world were you scared? They didn't get to read the stories that we get to read. They didn't know the accounts that happened. They were living in the middle of that, and they were scared. But what did Jesus do? He stretched out, and he reached out, and he grabbed a hold of them. Jesus proved himself again. Could you imagine what it was like for them when he went to the cross? That, that, that had to be the ultimate one for them. Oh, we're done. All, the, all this great thing that God has done, we're done. Jesus, he's dead, he's gone. Three days later, he proved himself again. And God did more miracles after that than he had ever done before that when Jesus was walking on the earth. That's amazing. And that's what God did. That's what God does comes back down to this in that first verse we read this morning, 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. And he says it there. He said, for everyone born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. If you put your trust in him, if put, you put your faith in Christ, you can overcome the world that you live in. It doesn't matter what you face. It doesn't matter how deep the water's. It doesn't matter how tough the desert. We know that we can trust in him because he is faithful and he will walk with us. Amen? Are you willing? Are you willing to follow the prompting of the Spirit of God? Or are you willing to become the witness you have been called to be? Will you be willing to step out and take the risk to follow Christ even when it seems like there's too much turbulence around you? seems like there's too many things that's going to interfere or affect you. And you think, well, I don't know if we can do that. That's going to be too much of a problem. I don't know if I can walk this way. I don't want to do this at my job. I don't want to do that. Or, or maybe I'll just do this instead simply because that's the easy path. Sometimes the easy path is the Lord's walk. Sometimes the hard path is the Lord's walk. What we have to do is be willing to walk the path he gives us and then recognize that he will reach his hand out and help us to help us walk through and see victory in our lives. 
It doesn't mean that it will go perfect. We live in a fallen world. It doesn't always go perfect, but he will be there and he will guide our lives through whatever trials and challenges that we face in this world. We just need to look to him. Let's pray. Father, we need you more than anything in this world. And we recognize the fact that it's not by our own abilities. It's not by our own skills. Yes, we use all those things because you've provided those for us. We understand that. And we thank you for them, Lord. But we also under the, understand the fact that with all those gifts, all those skills, all those abilities, and even resources, Father God, that is not enough because we know that you are the one by your Holy Spirit that can make things work like never seen before. And Father, I pray for every person in this house and online watching together with us. I pray that, Father God, that you would just flood your Holy Spirit into their lives. May they sense your presence. May they sense your direction. And may they follow your will no matter what they have been facing. And that they would be willing to see you do the thing that you want to do in their life. Father, each and every one of us have been called by your name. Jesus, you laid your life down so that we could take a walk with you. And in that walk, there is victory and there is hope and there is strength. And we are going to trust you today. Lord, help us. Lord, help us not to be able just to be those that say, I'm just going to sit down and do nothing. I'm just going to sit down and wait for the rapture. I'm just going to sit back and wait till you take me home. No, Lord, we're going to follow your will. We're going to follow your will. No matter if you tell us to walk, to skip or run, we're going to follow your will. And we thank you, Father, because you hear us. Thank you, Lord. I am going to walk with the Lord. If that's you this morning, lift your hand up and say, I am going to walk with the Lord. And say, this is me. I am choosing to walk His direction. And I am not going to hold back. I am going to give everything I have. May we give all from our hearts. Lord, here we are. You see every one of those hands across this place that said, I am willing to follow you. I am willing to give everything I have to be able to serve you. And I know that you will pick me up as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You will pick us up and you will help us.